Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hey, everybody, Mark and Steve on the PBSC podcast. We had a question come in. I don't know, Steve, how many times have we received this question over the last oh my 20 goodness. plus years of our experience? I, it's a lot. And it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. It, it, it really it is. is. It is a way <laughs> tough, tough topic. We just want you all to know that as we tackle this, we are hyper aware of the territory that we're daring to step into. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and read the, the question and situation that's come, that has come in, and we are going to tackle this. Uh, yep. That's what we do. Let's do it. So here's what it says. Hi, Mark and Steve. PBS podcast really has been such a godsend, helping inform my, my husband and I of the possibility of hope and healing. We had our fourth D-Day. For all of you that don't know, D-Day is Discovery Day. When the addict comes clean with what's gone on in the past, apparently this couple has had their fourth one. We kind of call that trickle, trickle discovery, right? Yes. Or, you know, not a good idea. Um, but we had our fourth D-Day a few months ago, but in some ways it was the very first as we finally have acknowledged the impact my husband's porn addiction has had on our marriage. Uh, and they've been married four years and the damage that's come about from ignoring it. We are really starting to experience some great progress, even after a few months of fighting for genuine connection. My question, however, is this, why do men <clears throat> often struggle with the concept of monogamy? My husband and I really struggle to see eye to eye on this as he, as he seems to believe that men are wired to notice and to be drawn to the physical bodies of other women. He also believes that then monogamy is a choice to live the best way God intended and to choose to not act on those desires and it will be a constant battle with temptation for him. Uh, he does not see a day in the future when he will not value and be curious about female-specific body parts on others, even recovered from porn addiction. Is this the porn addiction speaking? 
or is there an element of truth to this? This is so outside of my own experience of sexuality as a woman, and I'm really challenged to see a future with someone who will always prize female sexualized body parts, mine, but also the general public, and and see that as normal. I've loved the episodes that have touched on public encounters and experiences and making a plan with your spouse for these areas that could be challenging. However, I would love to hear this facet answered on the PBSE podcast, if you're willing. Thanks so much. All the best. Awesome. There we go. It is, it's a good question. And it, and it brings up uh, even a variety of things, but we are going to kind of zero in on one specific kind of side of this here in just a second. So if we just kind of lay the groundwork for a second now, we're going to give the caveat right out the gate that, again, this is a submission. And so we're we're waiting, as always, as we do on this podcast, into a snapshot of somebody's relationship, okay? So we're we not are. privy to the details, the background, any of that stuff. We just know what we're given. But what it sounds like on the surface is we've got two partners who, understandably, I think in many ways due to fear, are kind of based in two extremes, Right. Um, we have one spouse, and and again, this is this is a very common dynamic we see. We've got one spouse, the partner here, who is, or or excuse me, the addict, who he's living in a place of fear, among other things, that about, and we're going to quote his terminology, right? That he's in quote a con- he's going to always be in a constant battle with temptation the rest of his life, and that this is always going to be an issue or a struggle for him, right? That that I'm going to go throughout my day, and I'm going to be constantly battling. This idea of, you know, body parts in the environment and objectifying people and women. And that's something I'm going to be constantly facing. And then on the other hand, we have a partner here who is saying, and she's also exhibiting a lot of fear, probably among some other things, and is saying that, you know, I will, you know, she's fearful that, quote, he will always value and be curious, right? And then also, quote, also value and or prize sexualized female body parts, and that he's never going to be dedicated to her, right? Because of this. Yeah. So he's she's she's scared, in other words, that he is always going to be, among other things, going to be in this sexualized headspace. And that no matter how much change he may do around pornography and other sexual behaviors, that he will always be walking around with this element of 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 sexualizing other women, right? And and it's never going to be able to change. And it's going to be this constant area of challenge. And so we, we kind of what I see, and, and Mark and I, I know we talked a little bit about this before we we started here. Is I think we've got two people who are probably living in in probably idealized extremes, right? We've got one, we've got the addict partner who fears that this will just be a constant uphill battle. It's going to be like I don't know the Battle of Normandy every day, right? From a sexual mm-hmm. perspective, in terms mm-hmm. of staying sober, mm-hmm. and then we've got a partner who is coming from a place of well, if he was really attracted and and loving. Right, or if he was really "quote unquote" healed or recovered, that he would be coming from a place if he'd be attracted to me, but not to all of these other people. Right, that this would be that he'd be attracted to me, and that this would be more or less a non-issue with anyone else. Right, so that's kind of what we're reading into it. So if we're misreading that again, apologies in advance. <laughs> that could change the game a little bit, but that's kind of where I think we're coming from. Well, and it's, you know, it's very understandable to see these two opposite sides. I mean, yes. Steve, Steve and I have been there where we literally had had battled, and, and he used, this term is used, he's always going to battle this, right? He's always going to go to war with this. We had battled this this whole thing of, 
of uncontrolled attraction, which we're, we need to, we need to say what that is. It's called lust, right? Unbridled, uncontrolled, obsessive, compulsive. Acted on. Is lust. Acted on. Yeah. Sure. Acted on. That's a, it's a very good, very good term. Acted on. Is toxically a, acted on. <laughs> toxically acted on. Big giant challenge for guys struggling with addiction, trying to be in recovery. And we fear it. We're exhausted by it. We constantly go to war with it. And Steve and I got to the places where we just said, I don't want to be attracted to anyone or anything ever again the rest of my entire life. Yep. Cut it off, shut it off. It cannot exist in my life. No attraction allowed, period. And we we wrestled with that. And And I think every guy goes through that, right? Sure they do. Yeah. I mean, it's natural. This thing is destroying my life. It's destroying my marriage. My sexuality is ruining me right? My sexuality therefore must be the problem. Yeah. I've got to eradicate that. If I can just get rid of that pesky sexuality. Yeah. But that's the problem, right? Is that we live in a world where we are the goal of recovery to borrow a quote from 12 step style of living is we want to be connected and present with our environment. We want to quote, live life on life's terms, right? Real recovery is about the opposite of finding new things to escape like we did in our addiction, it's not about running from certain areas of life. It's about learning how to connect in healthy ways, right? right? To embrace life as it happens yep, and to be able to live and be present with it rather than just another form of, you know, something to remove myself from or isolate from. And, and that means engaging with and understanding these two concepts of lust and attraction yeah, and what they are. And what they aren't because we this again this topic of lust versus attraction comes up all the time we, all the time we've been talking right and, right and, now. and yeah, our go hearts ahead. go out our hearts go out to these partners and spouses who who are you know buried and and immersed in betrayal trauma trying to come through their healing process as they as they see an addict partner who struggles with this you know they're wondering is he ever going to have eyes solely for me is he always going to be unfaithful with his gaze and with his thinking and with his, with his attractions? Am I always going to face the fact that I'm in competition, right? Is this guy ever going to be fully present with me and, and not have this whole thing with everyone around us? It's horribly traumatizing to go through that and wonder. And every time you go into a public space, you're like, oh, here we go again. Right. Can't go to the mall. Can't go to the restaurant. Can't, God forbid, go to the public swimming pool or the beach or the lake. Right. It's just, it's such a burden. So our hearts really feel that. So, yeah. So we're going to try to break down these two very hard topics and try to help, help you guys in the process. We're, we're working on healthy versus toxic sexuality right now and dare to connect. Um, This is, we're wrapping up the topic for the month and We've touched on this among many other nuances of this topic. We'd love to have you guys join us, by the way, as we wrap up the topic this week. You can find more information at daretoconnectnow.com along with a two-week free trial. We'd love to have you guys come join us where we can really get more in detail on what is a very complex topic. But yeah, yeah. if we were to kind of try to tackle this, right, I guess maybe we start with attraction. So can we talk about attraction for a minute? And just kind of what that is. Yeah, let's talk about what it, it's really, <clears throat> and you know, and it's understandable how tra- addiction and trauma, both betrayal and and struggling with obsessive compulsive addiction over years or decades, how those two things could tend to quote 
weaponize or intensify or villainize attraction. Very yeah. normal to see how that word could be turned into the enemy. Absolutely true. Yes. I think it's important that we understand what, what attraction in its pure sense is. I, I like a, we, Steve and I had kind of looked at some definition. I like this. I like this definition. It said, the relationship existing between things or persons that are naturally or involuntarily drawn together, drawn toward each other. We are, as human beings, we are naturally, by the very evolution of our species, by our very genetics, we are, we are built to notice, to notice people and things around us. We need to. We need, we need to be aware for danger or for cues or for situation, right? It's a normal human characteristic that's as essential to our survival, our happiness, our peace, our joy, our interaction, our connection. We have to notice. We have to notice who and what is around us. That is a natural part of us. And like that definition says, that it's, it's either natural or in many cases involuntary to be drawn towards certain people or things. Yes. It's just a part of our humanness. And what, yeah. what I'm attracted to, what I, what I feel an attraction toward, right, a noticing of people or things around me is not going to be the same as necessarily the person standing next to me. It's based on a lifetime of experience, a lifetime of memories, a lifetime of preferences, a lifetime of exposure to different people and things. And so I've got a brain that's like a satellite dish taking in every, everyone and everything around it and tuning in to certain people or things based on my lifetime of experience. And many yeah. times I don't have any voluntary control over it. It just happens. No, right? I mean, it's attraction. We, we just go throughout our day, right? I mean, in my, in my hmm. practice, whether it's physically or emotionally or spiritually, I'm, I find myself attracted to varying degrees with clients, right? I have clients that, you know, in another life, we might be like really good buddies because we just kind of jive, right? Personality wise. Mm -hmm. I also have other clients where it's, I could tell this is, it's going to be probably pretty easy to keep this just business, <laughs> right? right? And then there won't be much joking in our sessions, which is fine, right? There, and, and again, that spans the spectrum. I mean, I, as I go to the grocery stores, I again, engage with clients, whatever, I run into attractive female clients or people in the environment all the time, right? That for whatever reason, they just, again, there's a mix of, I just resonate with that person, right? On yeah, any I mean, one I, of those spectrums or a There's even times where I'm in public or, or at the gym or someplace where I find myself noticing or attracted to uh, certain guys. Mm. He's got a certain physique or he's in, he, he's in cert, a certain kind of physical shape. Or I can tell by a t-shirt he's wearing that he's into a certain sport or activity, right? Maybe it's one I'm into. And I, and I notice him right away. I go like, whoa, look at the calves on that guy. I'll bet he's a cyclist. Yeah. Right? I, I'm just, I'm just, I find myself moving toward that particular person. And by the way, it's not just people, right? These are certain things. We all have different hobbies or things that we gravitate to, right? Certain things that we really enjoy doing, certain things that we don't. So we... It's important that we, as we look at this attraction element, right? Attraction is something that just is, right? A good way to look at it is, I love Mark's de definition, right? It's an energy, right? That exists between us as people, us in our environment. Lust, on the, in other words, in other words, attraction is something that is simply just present, right? Yeah, it's, Lust, very, it's very passive. 
It's yes. it's very pat in many cases it's involuntary and and really kind of subconscious or even unconscious. Sure. Absolutely. Now we contrast that though with other words like love or hate or lust, right? Those are all action words. So those are all things that we are where we are taking something from our environment, in this case, you know, this attraction or lack thereof and doing something with it. Yeah, yes, right. it's it's an action. It goes from from more passive, just something that's human, to something that now is intentional. It's an action word, right? Yes. I'm exercising my focus. I'm exercising my my choosing what to turn my mind to and and focus upon and give energy to. Yes. Absolutely. I the example we commonly use in in Dare to Connect is is one that I use is I, I look at attraction like like a hammer sitting on a desk, right? It's it's a tool. It's just a hammer. It's just sitting there, right? It just is. The hammer is always there in one way, shape, or form, whether it's sexually, emotionally, whatever the case may be. What I do with the hammer is what dictates my trajectory as far as like for example, my sexuality goes with regard excuse me, to recovery, right? Because I can take a hammer and I can build really amazing things or I can murder somebody with a hammer, right? And the, and the hammer is not responsible, right? The, the hammer is simply just the thing that I engage with to facilitate something in the environment. Historically speaking, I as an addict would take that attractive element to other people, usually sexually, but in other ways as well. And what would I do with it? I'd objectify. I'd escape, I'd numb out, I'd tune out from things, I'd strip away people's humanity and just leave selective components of themselves there, whether it's physically or otherwise, right? That, that That's what I used to do with it. And I would use that as a way to escape and to live in, in, in a fantasy world. Yeah, it's the right? same for me. It's, it's where I'm taking something that's just a normal, natural part of the world around me, the people around me, and I'm exaggerating it. I'm intensifying right. it. I'm, I'm calling special attention to it as opposed to it just being a part of the human puzzle, right? Absolutely. It's, it's being, it's being selected out of the whole as something to, you know, to give enormous energy to. That's sure. where we leave the place of natural involuntary attraction. And we enter the place of active intentional lust. Yes. Very different environment, very different ways to come at the world. For sure. Absolutely. I mean, I can probably speak to a good example for this just because of my unique position. My wife has an identical twin, right? Biologically identical. Mm. I'm very highly attracted to my wife, which means that in a physical way, at least by default, I am going to be attracted to my sister-in-law. They look virtually the same, <laughs> right? But what I do with that, that physicality, what I do with that attraction with my wife is night and day different with what I do mentally and emotionally with my sister-in-law. Yeah. Right. Me and my sister-in-law, we have a very great platonic relationship and I'm able to attract, uh, appreciate the fact that she is very physically attractive and an emotionally attractive person as well. But the one that I gravitate to, the one that I act on that attraction with the one that I engage with and I enhance it and I build it out and I develop it, right? Emotionally, physically, spiritually, all those things. That the, the one that I explore that with and, and grow it out is with my wife, right? That's where I choose to engage. I choose to allow that to build out and to create love. It creates a depth. It, 
it draws me to her in a way that I am not drawn to anybody else on the planet. And I, I like your I like your term, the one that I choose to act on that attraction with. Yes, my wife. Absolutely. Right? As a human being, my 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 brain's going to be natched, going to feel some natural attraction to many people and many things. Absolutely. But I get to decide once once I've experienced that feeling, what do I do with it? Correct. Do I act on it or not act on it? Hey, yeah, I've been I've been I'm I'm I've been sober for the better part of 9 years now and I can tell you that the old Steve, like we said at the beginning of this, would have loved nothing more to like just surgically cut out his sexuality like some sort of tumor tumor's growth and just like thrown it in a bin somewhere. But that's absolutely not the case because I would never want to get rid of my sexuality now. Because the there there's an element of spark of, of what attracts me to other people that continues to cause me to be attracted to my wife. I would never not want, I never want to get rid of that. Mark and I were doing a dare to connect episode probably over a year ago. And I'd probably heard this term before, but for some reason it just really resonated. And I just, I love it. I repeat it all the time because I, I never forgot what Mark said it, right? There's a, we, we take, we take these things in our environment, including attraction and we choose how we channel it. Is the term that he used. Right? Yes. It's this natural energy that's just occurring. What do we do with it? How do we funnel it? How do we channel it? How do we, where do we direct it, right? The energy itself is not the problem. Your husband's sexuality, your wife's sexuality, it's not the problem. What's being done with it is the problem. Yes. Right? And it's and, and, and again, where, where we started today, it's very understandable that this concept of attraction in our intense emotional state of addiction or a very intense emotional state of betrayal, trauma, healing, addiction, recovery. It's very understandable to, to see how a feeling called attraction an energy called attraction could be incredibly triggering. Totally. Absolutely understandable. The question is once we start to get into recovery and healing and more healthy living, how do we begin now to manage that energy? It's yes. going to show up. And I know I've had guys I worked with and I felt this way. I say, Mark, I don't want to deal with it. I just want the attraction to be gone. Yeah, sorry. Okay. <laughs> well, let's stop for a second and really consider what you just said. Do you really want all attraction that you feel or notice towards other human beings to be completely gone from you? Do you know what that means? And we talk about what that means. And they're like, ooh, you know, I guess I guess I probably don't want what I'm saying, do I? Yeah. Like, well, no, it's it's horrible to think of being bereft of all attraction for all people, period. Absolutely. Right? And and when I talk with, you know, women who are suffering under the heavy burden of betrayal trauma, where they say, you know, no attract, my husband should not notice anyone but me. Well, let's talk about what that means. And so when we when we're able to step back and talk about it in more of a balanced and healthy way to kind of to be willing to step outside the pain for a minute and we start to look at it like hmm maybe I maybe my pain has led me to an extreme place where I'm not seeing that there there is a balance here there is a there is a healthy set of choices Now this person that wrote into us she uses some very powerful language with regard to her partner she said he values, and the one that jumped out at me, he prizes specific sexualized female body parts. 
Now, I know that's her expressing that. I don't know what the accuracy is with him. But we want to, I want to make clear, if this guy does indeed have some form of, of voyeurism or obsessive compulsive focus on female body parts, and it's a big part of an addiction struggle, he absolutely should confront that and work on it and get help for it, right? Seek therapy, seek the help of a, of a support system, because that is absolutely something that needs to be dealt with directly. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about with regard to just normal humanized attraction. So no. if her words are accurate as to how he sees this, he definitely needs to confront this in his recovery. Yeah. So I want to make that very clear. So we are, and, and admittedly, again, we are, we got to wrap up, but we are, we are dealing with some semantics here, but I, I guess where, if we were to kind of take this full circle to answer some questions, and this may be hard to hear, it is not going to be realistic for either an addict or a spouse to expect that, to, to expect either partner to sustainably be not attracted to anyone else ever. Uh, that's not realistic. That's not human. That's not life. What a partner can absolutely and ought to expect is that her partner, even though he may be attracted to at times other people, that he will choose her every time, right? That there will always be that cognitive choice. There will be that active drawing towards. There will be that fighting, battling for, discovering, building with them. That's where that exclusivity comes into play. Yeah, and it's his um, responsibility to notice when the energy of attraction is showing up in him. And then immediately use his tools to shift and to direct and to manage that energy in the healthy direction that, that he and his partner wanted to go. Yes. Right? So can he control when the attraction energy shows up on the stage of his mind? He, he can't. But once it does, it's now his response hyphen ability to direct that intentionally. 100% his responsibility. Forward. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. No, it's, it's a hundred percent. The truth guys, that's how, that's how realistic, sustainable recovery works, right? A, a healthy marriage in the long term is not going to be one where one partner is. And again, we really connect with you partners, why you would understandably feel averse to this. Absolutely. Just like, again, in some ways addicts do. His sexuality has been the problem. If we just somehow got rid of that, where he wasn't attracted to other people, then problem solved. But that, again, that's not realistic, A, but it's also not sustainable because part of what draws him to you is that same energy. It's all about harnessing, channeling, and re-engaging that, right, in a different, healthier way that allows us to connect with the areas of life that we want to connect with in the appropriate right ways while learning how to redirect away from the things that aren't healthy to connect with in that way. Yeah. So. Yeah, Absolutely. Anyway, yeah, and okay. so we would we would encourage this coupleship and all coupleships to get this get this topic out on the table, talk yes. about it, dialogue about it, talk about what's reasonable, what's not, talk about what your boundaries are, what your expectations are, what what are your needs in order for this relationship to work, right? Dialogue, 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 and and you know, getting taught, leaving room for for humanness, for the energy of you know living in a world but also be being very clear and very succinct about here's what I need from you in order to feel chosen, in order to feel desired and cherished. This is what I need. And then to, to open up that dialogue and talk about it. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, guys, thanks for letting us, as always, let, letting us into your lives for a few minutes every week. Uh, we appreciate all your patronage and and uh, the kind words we get from you on a consistent basis. As always, you're welcome to send us uh, new episode topics at uh, pbscpodcast.com. There's a contact form down at the bottom there. We'd love to hear from you. Anything we can answer briefly, and please do uh, check out Dare to Connect Now at daretoconnectnow.com. If you haven't joined it, if you haven't tried it, please do uh, come discover what how to level this thing up and take this to the next level. We would love to have you there and love to take your recovery to to some new heights. So anyway. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here with us on such a tough topic. And yes. <laughs> uh, we will pick things back up next time on PBSE. Sounds great, guys. Bye-bye. Everything expressed on the PBSE podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.